taste and see that the Lord said his mission. Show been good to me. Show been good to me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord has been. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Our Rise with your host, Pastor Irvin Fuller. We have a great show ahead of you today where we're going to spotlight um, CEO of um, Dalila's house, Dalila. Dahlia House, uh, excuse me, y'all, Dahlia House. Um, we're going to spotlight some things and some things that she's doing positive in the um, community and everything. And I just want everyone to know that this is a show that to let you know that no matter where you at, you can rise above it. When we come together, it's better. And you, we can rise above anything that you might face in life, any challenges, anything that might be happening in your life, you can rise above it. So just stay tuned because we have a power pack show ahead of you on today. And I thank you for joining with us. Okay. Hello, 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 everyone. Um, again, I'm your host, Pastor Irvin Fuller, um, I Rise TV. I have a special person with me here today, CEO of Dahlia's House, amen, Dahlia's House, CEO of Dahlia's House, a uh, nonprofit where she feed in the community, and she, she, I'm going to let her tell, tell you what it's about. Nisi Foster from Blainsburg, Maryland. <laughs> uh, okay, your mic. Okay, there you go. Amen, amen. But listen, I want you to just... Take one. We coming back. This live TV, so you know things like this happen. So you got to give us, you know, some time. We'll get this thing together. Okay. Now I want to introduce you to you all, Nisi Foster from Dahlia's House. Dahlia's House, and, and it's a nonprofit uh, where she feed the homeless, and she do a lot of things in the community. But I just want to talk to you about uh, a little bit, um, Nisi, about this. This inspired me when I seeing you doing this because guess what it takes it takes all of us to do our part and to see and the things that i have seen you've been doing in the community feeding and doing it out your own pocket and making things happen so i just wanted to spot like that and i just wanted to ask you what started all this what what made you have this and made you put you in a position that this is what you wanted to do um actually <coughs> I've been feet serving, you know, serving with my church, feeding mm -hmm. the homeless for quite some time. But you know, when you when you're confined to doing stuff within a ministry, like a, a structured ministry, you have some limitations, right? You can only go out when well, you don't not only, but you know, most of the time you go out is when the church is going out, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so one time we were in Trinidad and Tobago, and I met this little girl named Dahlia. Okay. And so it was a bunch of stuff going on, and we ended up helping her. Mm -hmm. And come to find out, um, the people that she was with, they weren't, she, weren't, she wasn't related to any of them. Um, her mom and her dad, you know, at that time were in Trinidad. Nobody knew where they were. So it was a group of ladies that was taking care of her. And so what ended up happening, she ended up coming with us and, um, you know, and her and the lady that was with her and their children, we were all together and we spent the day together. And she kind of just came with us and I took her on like she was my own mm -hmm. and she was with us the entire day. And so at the end of it all, that little girl hugged me. And I had never felt anything like that before. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, this little girl cannot forget me. I can't let her forget me. So over the years, I've been helping out when I can with her. And so because I still had that desire to serve, um, one night I went somewhere. And anytime I go places, if I see people that people know really well, um, I Google them to see who they are. Like, why is everybody, you know, so interested in them? And so it was a guy named Tony Jabba. And, um, and he's a, he was a Jamaican promoter here in the area. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I Googled him and I found out that he wanted to serve the homeless and he just wanted to do it independently. And so I called him and I said, hey, I want to do this. And he said, okay, fine. And so what I did, I called a few of my friends. I got my kids involved. And so out of nowhere, I didn't know this guy from anywhere. And so we started serving with him. And we did that every, every holiday Monday. And so that went on for a couple of years. And then in 2017, he passed away. And then so I had already contemplated. It had been coming to me mm -hmm. that I needed to do something. And I just kind of procrastinated about it. And so because of Dahlia, and because Dahlia is HIV positive, okay? Um, and so that everything about her and everything about her life just did something to me, right? And it's like I have to have some impact. And as I talk to other people in Tobago, it, I, I heard that there was a need for something more for children, right? Um, because of where I work, I'm familiar with a lot of data and a lot of information, but I knew that before, that, you know, when you have um, a children's home, a lot of times it's not limited to, you know, children of certain age groups. Um, it'll be children from under 18 right on down. So if you have a child that's displaced or homeless or abused or neglected or whatnot, they can end up in the same home. And so... I'm not sure where it came from, but I had a desire to open a home for children ages six and under in Tobago because what I, have, what I know is that older children who've been abused, they will usually, not all the time, but they'll abuse the younger children that's in the home. So I want a safe place for them. And so I didn't know how I could get that started, right? I had to do something. And so I had a personal crisis. And, you know, when you have things going on in your life, you have to come outside yourself, you know, for healing. You can't just stay there and roll around in it, you know what I mean? You have to come out of that. And so something, I was at work one day, and something said, Nisi, it's time. Literally, something said, it's time. And I said, okay, God. 
So what I did, I called the homeless shelter where I had been serving the homeless with Tony Jabba, mm -hmm. and I asked them if anybody had been coming there to serve, and they said no. And I said, well, do you mind if my organization comes? And he said, no, we're waiting for you. So in that moment, I had to create the website. I had to get everything rolling, and and in that first time around, I did come out of my pocket. And um and, and we and, but God blessed me, so I had the funds to do it, right? So I did it. And when I did it that first time it was so many people that helped us out. Um and what I did because I wanted the people to know that we would be coming back. I didn't want to want it to be a fly by night thing. I wanted it to be a commitment. So I called one of my girlfriends and she just like, Well, Nisi, I'll do it for you. She'll create the flyers for me for free. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, no, I gotta give you something. But it's like everybody, everybody that, that I shared this with, they were just on board and just so supportive. And I've had girlfriends that just give and give and give. Um, I've had people that I've gone to school with that just give, you know, and people don't realize that everything that you give counts. Everything that you give counts. People feel like they can't do anything. But here, I mean, I have a mortgage. You know, I work. I was in school. I just graduated. I have three kids. But when you have a willing heart, God will make a way, right? And I think that's it right there because this wasn't on my this wasn't on my radar this was not something that I had planned on doing um, but it was in my spirit you know I knew I needed to do something um, I have grown-up children I have a young child and for me I guess I'm thinking about you know how do I want to re how do I want to be remembered you know what do I want to teach my children because this is this is a legacy right and this is something that they can continue to do and the biggest part for me is that they are experiencing this with me. They're, they're feeding the homeless, too. I don't have to pull teeth. I don't have to beg anybody to do it. They're right there in it, you know? And it's just such a blessing for me. And it's so funny because I have these dates scheduled, right? I have, um, we, we're scheduled to serve every holiday Monday. So that's what we've been doing. Um, we had an exception, though, on July 27th. That was a very, very, very special one for me, for me, because I graduated on the 26th, you know? And so where we could have done all kind of things for graduation, I had already committed to serving the homeless on the 27th, and it's like, I think that's the right date. But I had already committed yeah. to that, and I wanted to keep that. And what ended up happening, we, um, because I couldn't cook, Normally I cook all the food, my daughter helps me out, and then everybody comes in, you know, and, and shares the food out to the men and women at the homeless shelter. Um, um, normally, you know, normally I cook all the food, but this time uh, one of my volunteers, he had mentioned Little Caesars to me, and I was like, I don't want to do that for the people, I got to cook. But when I realized that I couldn't cook, right, Little Caesars became the best option. And so I went from not having the money at all to serve to having a surplus. So we actually fed more people than we normally feed. Normally we feed 125 people when I cook the food in about 20, 25 minutes. But this time we had, we had 49 boxes of pizza. That's 490 slices of pizza. We had water, we got up and we made fresh salad for everybody. So that particular day, 
we went to the homeless shelter and we had things organized in a way that the men and the women could come and, and get their food at the same time instead of the, the guys waiting for the ladies to be served. So everybody was served at the same time. But then another organization came and I was like, okay, it slowed down the traffic, right? And the thing is that we had people that donated and I'm 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 a real funny person. If you if you give me something and it's for a particular purpose, I'm using it for that purpose. I don't care what anybody have to say, but I had people that donated their money, you know. I had people who who trusted and believed in Dyer's house to do the right thing. And so when I noticed that the volume has slowed down, I'm like, um, we got to do something else. And so the thing is that God blessed me with a team of people who I can look at and say, hey, guys, what if we go out? And so, you know, normally we're not out in the element. We're not out in the heat. We're not out in the cold. We serve inside in the lobby. And so that team of people was willing and ready to go. And what was so inspiring for me, my daughter is always there. My big daughter is always there. My little daughter is always there. But my son is always, like, in the background, you know. He's, he's like, he does little things in the background, but he's always there. But what was really special for me for that day is that he knew of where to go on the street to feed the people. And he was able to, to lead us in a seven-car convoy down to the ladies' shelter where we ended up going. And when I tell you God is my witness, when we pulled up to the place, it was a parking spot right in front of the building, right? You know, waiting. And then the lady, one of the, one of the assistants came out and she said, what's going on here? Is there a funeral? And I'm like, no. I said, we coming to, to share some food with you guys. And so we couldn't go inside. We had to stand outside. And so because I'm in a place now where I'm preparing the food and I'm letting other people have the opportunity to serve because there's a lot of people. And it's a good thing, so you can't So what happened was my son and one of my oldest daughter's friends from Philadelphia, they started organizing stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, look at God using these young people. No arguments, no fighting, just, you know, out of the back of my car. We set up shop, and we were serving pizza to the ladies out there at the shelter. And what was so sweet is that my son was in the Sure. So he took pizza to her. It was another lady that 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 he's familiar with. He said, Mom, she's always in the trash can. Can we give her extra? So he was able to point out people who needed a little bit more and it just blessed me. You know, I put my robe, I put my apron on and I'm serving and I'm moving, we're moving according to his direction. And it was such a blessing. So um, that was the most special, special, special moment for us. Man, that's very awesome. I feel like that's a blessing. That's what we need. When we realize all of us play a part in what's taking place in our city, or the homelessness or the violence, everything, not to even speak on that. But when we realize and we all take our position and have that passion, that drive, understanding that none of us, all of us is a step, um, step away from where they, where they are at. Exactly. It can easily be me, it can easily be you, but thanks be to God, and because God gave us that strength, don't keep going. 
reach back and grab those and help those that might not be able to help themselves right now. So I just had to spotlight you with that. Uh, I admire you about that. Always had looked up to you, always seen you, because, you know, we go back, way yeah, back, yeah. just haven't seen each other <laughs> in years and stuff like that. But I admire you for that. Thank you. Keep pushing. Man, God placed that in you. Uh, I mean, just keep pushing. I'm just telling you, I see it bigger than this. Tobago, and I'm just going to say Tobago mm -hmm. from right now because Tobago is where everything happened at. that God orchestrates things, you know, and you have to be open. This lady knew her, so she called her, that she went to the home, talked to some of the people there, got the lady's number, and so my coworker, she had caught me, like, I was going, I was ready to go off, just like explode with excitement, because I spoke to that lady on the phone, and I was going to Trinidad in April, and she had told me that, yeah, I could come and serve down there. And so, because I knew I wasn't going to have a kitchen there, I had gotten in touch with, um, with, a, with a lady there named Vail, and she has a, a shop there. And um, when we're there, that's what we go eat at all the time. And so I talked to her, made arrangements with her and her family, and Vail cooked the food for me. And so I got a driver, and we went over and served the children at the homeless shelter. And let me tell you, Irvin, it was such a, that moment was blessed, too, because when we got in Tobago, for the first time, we didn't get our luggage. So I'm in Tobago, and this is all God. I'm in Tobago. We didn't have luggage. We didn't have anything. The lady that helps out with, with um, Dahlia, she went and bought me some stuff, went and bought my youngest daughter some stuff. Um, and so I went up to Vail's, and I paid her. And I walked back with one of my daughter's friends and we were talking about something. I and he said, Nisi, don't worry about it. He said, God gonna bless you. And so when I got back to my room, I think I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends. And I was telling her what was going on. Next thing I know, my phone started lighting up, cash app. <laughs> and I mean, I'm a crybaby urban. I just started crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this, you know? And so people had bad experiences with losing their luggage. My luggage came in. In my luggage, I had Easter baskets and all kind of stuff for the children's home. Um, I had a black, you might not know, but it's something called black cake. I had a black cake to, to, to share with people there and with the counselors at the home. Everything came in. And I mean, when I say everything about that experience was blessed. Even the people at the airport was helping me. Everybody was, like, making an effort that was beyond me, you know. This whole thing is so far beyond me. And um, so we served the children. And that was just, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. So 
Um, I'm going back down in October, so I got to make that phone call, you know, and see if um, if I can serve the children down there again. Um, because it's like I can't go there and not do something, you know. So wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're going to be this is something that I'm doing that's not me that's not of anything that I could have done that's all from God so do you have anything coming up here locally that anybody can assist with or send donations to or whatever I wonder I want you to give everybody your Instagram or Facebook if you're on Facebook <laughs> let them know what you have coming up and if someone choose how they can be an assistance to what you're doing okay. because we all play a part and I just want the spotlight that I want to help as much as I can because we all play a part in somebody else's life to help we come together okay so um, we were scheduled for October 14th, but because of my own, my oversight, um, I won't be here. I'll actually be in Tobago October 14th, because that will be Columbus Day Monday. Yeah. Um, so I'll be serving down there. But what we're going to do, the next holiday coming up is Veterans Day. Okay. And I believe that falls on a Monday. I'm not sure. I have to check it. But at um you can what do you call it at us on instagram at dahlia's house um you can visit our website at www.dahliashouse.com and and um if you want to donate you can donate to dahlia's house what is it dollar sign dahlia's house um on cash app and we um, actually we do payments on we do don't we take donations on PayPal as well. Um, so after that event for November, we have something else scheduled. But if you visit the website, I have the flyer there, okay. and it has the dates. Um, and my daughter is telling me something else. I did that. Instagram. I told nah, Instagram. Yeah, I didn't talk about Instagram. No, you have to go to our Instagram because. We do live updates. Um, while we're preparing the food, we actually video. Like okay. my daughter will provide, you know, the do video. Because the thing is, we did Little Caesars because my graduation. Yeah. But I cook. Right. And I cook. And it was one video, I don't know, it, it might be on Instagram, where I was, I was sitting down. Like our grandmother might have been sitting down at the stove. Yeah. And I was turning the like food. Big like Big Mama. <laughs> And I said, wow, I said, I'm cooking like I love these people, you know? But if you go if you go on Instagram, you can actually see the people. Right, nobody's getting it. That's right. So and I cook all the food and I'm dog tired after, but it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing. So again, give everybody your Instagram. Listen, spell it out. Okay, Dahlia's house is at sign, D like David, A, I don't know where I'm looking at, Ruben. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, is at sign, D like David, A-H-L like Larry, 
E A H S House H O U S E Dahlia's House, and we're on Instagram, um, and we have a website. It's www.dahliashouse.com. Um, I I run the website myself. And I try to keep up with, you know, providing yeah. updates and yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there since okay. school is out now. So, okay. you know. But, yeah, if you go to Instagram, you'll be able to see live updates. Um, you might see some inspirational things. You might see some things to remind you that it doesn't take a lot to do what we're doing. Um, specifically, if you look at Little Caesar's Pizza, right? That was like $5.88 for one pizza. So I have like a breakdown of the math okay. on what $20 would do, you know. Yeah. So it's like for $20 worth of Little Caesars Pizza fed 20 people. Yeah. Um, on average, we feed about 100 and 125, 130 people in about 30 minutes. That's that. But with Little Caesars, we like, we like broke our record. We just, okay. we okay. well, it was I'm double. I'm declaring this, that God is going to pull in. Thank you. Gonna you. You, your your uh, organization is going to, non-profit is going to spread. Thank you, thank you. That name is going to be in everybody's mouth. That way they can go and get help from. It's going to be known. I pray God blesses you thank through you, that. Thank that you, thank you. That you won't not lack anything. Thank you. Keep pushing. Keep being an inspiration. And know that all that you're doing is not in vain. Thank you. All right, I thank you for coming on and just talking to me a little bit about the value of the talk back to you, Okay, okay. Thank you. Go taste and see that the Lord said he's made. Show me Hello, hello, hello. We are back with I Rise TV. Your host, Pastor Fuller. I have another special guest right here. Uh, Janari Mitchell. Janari Mitchell. Uh, born and raised uh, Southeast D.C., uh, specifically Wayne Place. But she sparked an interest in me. Um, we're going to change the, uh, the script a little bit because... Um, Karan Brown, the young man that was killed over in Southeast, like about, it was about two, three weeks ago, we had a candlelight vigil at Stanton um, Elementary School. And this candlelight vigil there, um, she's a young poet. And her poet, her, her poem touched me so in a way that I just needed to know your story. Because you had a message behind it, I can feel your pain. But then I can feel your drive that you're going to make it through everything that's going on in our inner city, all the killings and everything. And that, that touched me, and I just wanted to come have you on the show. I just wanted to talk to you and to see what's going on, what, uh, um, what inspired the poem, and just what's your feelings towards everything that's going on in our inner city with all the young men that's dying, young women too, but all this that's going on, and how has it 
what's the effect that it has on you and what brought you to this point and what uh, allowed you to start expressing it through poetry? So I actually just started writing poetry again in April. Like I used to write when I was about 10 or 11, then I stopped because I kept losing people to gun violence. I kept experiencing things in Southeast DC that I just didn't want to talk about anymore. So I stopped writing, but it was after my friend Corey Farmer from high school. He was killed in February around 37th place, like right near his house. And that's when like I had no choice but to talk about it because at that point I had lost seven people during my freshman year of college to both gun violence and random health concerns. So it was just like I needed another outlet. So I started writing poetry again. So... What is your drive right now? What is what is it that you hope to accomplish? How how what is the way that you want to inspire people that listen that they don't have to stay where they are that this have to come to an end? And you know what? We need more youth speaking up and speaking out about the situation as yourself and everything, and just being uh, inspiration to those ones that feel like that they are stuck. In, uh, 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 in the environment that they in, they, they don't have no way out. So what would you say towards that? So I, I usually write about my personal experiences like gun violence and mental health. And at first I was just writing for my own therapy like it, because it was therapeutic for me. I never expected the poems to blow up the way that they did. But now that I see how it touches so many people, like to see the kids crying in the audience, adults, people coming up to hug me after I share my pieces because I'm putting into words what they can't. Like we're all experiencing gun violence. We're all experiencing gun, uh, depression, anxiety, but no one is allowing us to talk about it so it's like for me to be able to tell them like to express how we all feel and for everyone to feel that that's what's pushing me to keep drive to keep writing at this point and to keep sharing my poetry uh, before we go any further I, I would like for you just to share that poem that you read that, um, the day of um, Karan Brown um, candlelight visual because um, that poem it done something to me, and then uh, it just, it, you know, it just, well, like, wow. And how we as older adults and stuff, how we, oh, uh, this, you know, don't really understand all that y'all are going through or what y'all feeling. And that even though, you know, I, um, I feel like that I'm in touch with a little bit of everyone. And everything, it just made me feel, I felt your spirit as you were speak, uh, um, sharing that poem. And I felt the, the pain, I felt the hurt, and it felt like I felt the hurt of all the young uh, um, youth that is growing up in this era and all the things that's going on. So it drives me that I feel that I have to play a part with bringing some type of change about. So I just want you to share that poem that you shared that day, that day at the Candlelight Visual. I know it has some words in it that, you know, a few of them, you know, but we're going to work it anyway. All right. This poem is entitled, We Just Trying to Grow Up. When we were younger, they told us not to grow up too fast. But in the hood, we never had that chance. A lot of us ain't living to see 18, let alone 21. So we don't have a choice but to grow up. 
Fast, like how life came at us, running through the hood, searching for answers, looking up to God, begging that he answers us. Like why my friends keep dying, why these mothers keep crying. God, I'm trying really hard to hang on, but I can't find enough reasons to live anymore. You're taking all of mine, and if you need no more, just let me know. Please give me a reason so that I can let go, because I'm starting to lose hope and accept my fate, that in a few months my mother might be putting me in my grave. Don't grow up too fast. I wish I didn't have to. But you don't get to be a child when you don't have enough friends to play with you on the playground because you watch so many of them go on the ground. Now you sitting on your end of the seesaw, knowing that your friends will forever be in the air. While you stuck on the ground, you try to push yourself up, but it's way too much pain holding you down. You don't get to be a child when there are more drugs in the hood than candy and you lighten up every day trying to control your anxiety. Anxiety? Don't you dare say that. You want to get smacked? You want these people to think you crazy? You want these people to think I don't take care of my baby? You don't get to be a child when you're seeing more in your few years than most will see in their entire lifetime. But you better not let anyone see you crying. Ain't nothing wrong with you. I've been through way more than you, so I don't want to hear not another word from you. Okay, I'm sorry for being so weak. I just wanted to talk about all the things that have been haunting me in my sleep. You don't get to be a child where I'm from. You don't get to be a child when the city doesn't care enough to keep pedophiles away from black kids, so within just a half-mile radius, there are 49 sex offenders on the list. And every day you have to walk past grown men that want to experience your body before you even know you have one. You walked a long way now. So many men complimented you in your Barbie girl dress that you can't even put it on now. You don't get to be a child when you're carrying around a pocket knife mentally preparing yourself to take a life in order to save your own because every day you're living in fear that you won't make it home. You don't get to be a child when you can't wear your favorite color outside because a gang claimed it. And if they see you, you dead because the color of your clothes can get a bullet put in your head. The color of your skin can get a bullet put in your head. The block you were raised on can get a bullet put in your head. Those nice shoes you got on can get a bullet put in your head. The gender you fell in love with can get a bullet put in your head. D.C. ain't the same anymore. D.C., Death City. D.C., don't come because my city don't shine anymore. Too many suns are gone. My city ain't fun anymore. Too many guns are drawn. We ain't on the beach collecting shells. We on the block collecting shell casings. We ain't going to art school and painting. We out there cleaning our friends' blood off the pavement. Half of my friends went off to college and the other half went in caskets. It's crazy because we were all just in high school, going high to school. Because even though my friend died yesterday, I couldn't afford to be late. I had a test that day, so I showed up, even though my mind was torn up. In the hood, we ain't trying to grow up fast. We just trying to grow up. Wow. 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 I'm lost without words with that. Zanari, I wanted to let you know right here, and it's just not for you being on the show. I want you to know that I care. And you're not by yourself out here. You got people that's going to just try to make a change, me being one. Wherever, man, we if that didn't touch your heart, if that didn't make you feel like that, man, we got to stand up about men, got to take their rightful position back in their homes in their neighborhoods speak out and so many times it's family it's families not families no more but we done grown grown up but it's our youth that's hurting and if you don't feel the soul and the pain of this young woman and it don't touch you in a way that make you feel like i gotta do something shame on you go ahead sit behind your nice plush home drive your nice car that you feel like that you're doing Making your own on your grind, not caring about nothing else. But she and all these youths and the ones that's gone on, they are our future. 
and if our future gone, whatever, what else we have left. And guess what? The life you might just say might be your very own or someone in your very household. So it's time for us to raise up. And Janari, I, I, I thank you. I, I appreciate you. And I want you to thank continue you. to push positive. Continue to allow your poetry to be your outlet. Don't allow it to set you back. But if you can share anything with your peers or your uh, your fellow friends or uh, that you've grown up with, if you want to encourage them in any type of way, this is the time just to, um, to let them know how you feel and, uh, and what y'all can do together. It's just so one of the things that I did when I came back, because I realized as a child, gun violence was not this bad in D.C. Like I was losing people, but not at this the rate that I am now. And it was because I was involved in a lot of youth programs. Like I was a part of Kid Power, Inc., facilitating leadership in youth. I was also a college bound. So like all throughout grade school, I always had somewhere to go after school, somewhere to feel safe not in a drama that's going on at home, not the drama that's going on outside of home, and I didn't have to turn to the streets because I always had somebody else that I could turn to. But for a lot of kids, that's the only thing that they have now. All they have is to turn to the streets because D.C. has gotten gentrified, and all of those programs that I had or most of the programs have disappeared or became defunded, and it's just not there anymore. So what I would say to people is to Find something for these kids to do, like start a program, even if it's for little girls, like uh, braiding hair, uh, fashion, just find something, or little boys basketball, f whatever it is, find something for the kids to do. Because every time that I go home, or every time I'm walking to the streets, the kids are just out there. Like it's not safe at home for a lot of these kids because of child abuse, drug abuse, whatever is going on at home. It's not safe outside because of gun violence, the same drug abuse that's going on inside the home. Like if that's all you have, all you're going to turn to is gun violence and gang violence and drugs. So just reach out to the youth. Show them that you care because there are a lot of people that show me that they care, and that's why I'm still here today. Wow. Wow. Folks, we, we got work to do. Can't blame it on the government. Can't blame it on the mayor. But we have work to do. We have work to do. Uh, and... Janari, I, I want to stay connected with you. I want to be any type of help that I can be to you. You maybe could be a help to me and show me the direction of what I can help do, uh, make things better, the way I can play a part in. But I'm inspired. You inspired me by that poem, inspired by you. I, actually, I felt your pain, but I see a strong young woman birthed out of that pain. I'm declaring that you're going to push through it. Your voice is going to be heard. You are going to make a difference. Someone heard you today. That'll make them realize that they don't have to stay where they're at. They don't, you don't have to be a product of your environment. You don't have to give in to that. You can arise above it. But I just want to speak to, I, I, I appreciate, I love our strong black women. But I just feel like when men rise up and begin to take their place back, that's when we're going to see change. Men, we need you out here. We need you to be that authoritative figure in your neighborhood, in your house, in your community. We need the men to start standing back up. Listen, listen, it takes a village. 
And if we continue to allow this to happen, we can't point the finger to nobody else but turn and point the finger of ourselves. Because if everybody do their part, I feel like that we can make a big dent in this, these issues that's going on in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our city. So I just wanted to spot like that. Thank you, uh, uh, Janari, again, for coming on. I would like to have you on in the future for you can give more poem, you know, you know, give more uh, inspiration and input of what you feel. But you have my number. I have you on, so I'm going to stay in contact. And I want you to know that I'm here. I want to be a help. I want to be a help to anybody that I can be a help to because we all play a part. So I thank you again. Is it, I just want to know, is there anything else that you want to say before we close out? And then before you close out, I want you to give everybody, you're, on, you're not on Facebook no more, so you? No, Instagram. Oh, Instagram, okay. Instagram, or where the people can reach out and see your poems and, and just reach out to you. So my Instagram is jjanari, so that's J-J-E-N-A-R-I. And also, I would just like to shout out my friend that inspired this poem. Rest in peace to Corey Farmer, Kipps, D.C., class of 2017. Amen. He was a father, so thank brother, you again and his mother's for being only on the show. son, Travis thank you Barksdale, for having me. was Appreciate just 25. You. I see great things in you. You touch me. You got a friend now that is going to be there. And we gonna, the community going to stand up. We're going to rally behind our youth and understand, allow them to know that they don't have to be a product of their environment. They, can, they too, can rise above it. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. And he was killed right around the corner from his own home. He's the latest D.C. resident to lose his life on city streets. Barksdale's death marks the 100th homicide in the district in 2018. That's put the homicide rate up 35%. Now, this same time last year, 74 people had been killed in D.C., Delia Gonsalves is in his neighborhood to tell us more about the man who lost his life so close to home. Katrina Barksdale does not want to go on camera. You see, she is in fear for her family's life. They live right around the corner from the crime scene. She tells me she believes her son was running for his life, shot just around the corner, his body collapsing about a block away. It feels like a dream. His mother kept repeating as she stood on the stoop surrounded by family. She says her only son, 25-year-old Travis Barksdale, was shot four times just feet from his front door. Sleeping relatives inside heard the shots around midnight, never knowing it was one of their own. Barksdale worked in guest services at the Smithsonian Spy Museum, even once making wax hands at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. He adored his three-year-old daughter Molly, loved and laughed with his family. His life was much more than the heartbreaking label, 100th murder victim. Too many native sons and daughters dying on city streets. The city, like many of its mothers, is crying out. We're not giving up. Faith Leach with the mayor's office says they are trying to get to the root problems of violence, drugs, mental health, trauma, and poverty. The police chief says he wants to build bridges. And we're hopeful through that interaction, we're going to be, it's going to be a facilitated discussion uh, that we can become a better police department. Collaborating with community members east of the river who have seen the highest spike in crime. It has to be done in a fair way where there's someone who's independent of MPD, 
who moderates the sessions. And while Barksdale lost his life across the city in Edgewood, the pain is universal. And now his daughter, three-year-old Molly, must say goodbye. In Northeast, Delia Gonsalves, WUSA 9. My mind keeps trying to tell my body to kill itself. My body said no, but my mind was consistent. It screamed from inside until I couldn't resist it. So in November 2018, I attempted to let go, but I survived. And that was when I realized that my destiny has not been fulfilled. And my soul was too strong to kill. No racist, no sexist, no homophobe, no injustice could defeat me. All of that hate was beneath me. So I had to retreat and remember that I am the rose that grew from the concrete. Through all of that pain, I still came out on top. You don't want to die, you want the pain to stop. You don't need to die, you need to remember who you are. Do you remember? Do you remember how much you loved yourself before this world showed you how much it hated you? Do you remember how you stood tall with your head held high before this world became too ugly to look in the eye? Before you thought it would be better to just die? If you can't remember, let me remind you. Your black skin is not a threat, it is your armor. Built from the strength and the sacrifices of your ancestors, so you better wear it with honor. Your homosexuality is not a disease. It is a love that is free, a love so real that it challenges the norm. Love is love in each and every form. Your womanhood is not to be subjected to the pleasures of men. You're gay anyway, so you don't give a fuck about pleasing men. And men, how dare you try to dictate which places a woman is allowed to exist when it was a woman that allowed you to exist. And if she didn't want to, she didn't have to. Because what a woman does with her body is her choice. Her body, her choice. Her body, her choice. And his body chose to be fighting and not lose her voice. Welcome back to I Rise um, TV. Man, that poem, every time I hear it, it touched me. But I just wanted to talk to you for a minute before we close out on this show. Um, Ephesians 6 and 10 um, says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you can withstand the wicked one in the day of the evil time. Put on the whole arm of God, man, and put his word in you. That's the only way, because I'm telling you, regardless of what's going on in here, we are in a spiritual battle. And we got to be spiritually equipped. Now, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to take you to church on this show right now. But I want you to get in tune with yourself and understand that you are an overcomer. You don't have to stay where you at. You don't have to be a product of your environment. I want to speak to that one that don't feel like they don't have no way out. You are an overcomer. You can overcome whatever that you're dealing with. But you got to understand that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Listen, I'm a man of many stories. One day I seen this car. It was This car was beat up very bad it was had all type of um dents in it um the the windows was dirty and the tires was all different sizes it seemed like someone has put putty all on the car and everything but then someone came and got in and they went to drive off and when they were driving off the muffler was scraping the ground and the sparks was flying from the ground but when i looked 
at the back of um, this car. It was amazing because it had a bumper stuck sticking on it, a bumper sticker on it that says, I'm not abandoned. And I want to share that some of us has been beat up by life, been knocked down and abused and feel like that junk car. But I want you to know today that you're not abandoned. God has not abandoned you. You can get up without any situation that you're in right now, but you got to lean and you got to trust in him. And I, I just want to encourage you today that the day is a brand new day. Don't bring your yesterday into your today. Don't try to bring your today into your tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow bring. But in God, all things are possible. So I want to encourage you that you can get up out of that situation that you're in right now. And listen, church, it's time for us to come out them four, from them four walls. It's, it's time for us to stop being comfortable in our plus cheers and taking up our offerings in church. It's time for us to meet the need of the people who go out in these streets. Because what we are doing behind the four walls, and I'm not knocking anyone, and I'm not saying no one ain't doing anything. But it's time for us to come together in love and in unity and take back what is ours. Man, these, the youth need us. Our city need us. They are crying out. But what's giving them the attention is that's what they're drawn to. So we got to bring that love back. We got to bring family back into our communities, into our homes. Yeah, it don't matter how you start, but it's how you finish. Some of us had a rough start in life. Some of us been a rough uh, patch right now. But remember, it's not what you've been through. It's where you're going to. You have the victory. You are an overcomer. Be blessed. If you want to just come up and fellowship with me, that you can hear the word that will speak right to your heart, come see me. Together as one Covenant Outreach Ministries. We are located at 3405 Bonita Street, Suitland, Maryland, Suite 201, 9 o'clock a.m. service. And that's a place where all are welcome. And I'm just coming to you straight. I never seen myself a pastor. I, not a, I never um, set out say I'm going to be a pastor. God has chosen me for this. And he just set me down and said nothing ain't going to go right until I, I, until I be obedient towards him. He said, listen, I need the people to see my heart through you. So that's my thing. Outreach. Because we all need each other. So let's stop allowing the division and everything to separate us. To make us think that we are better than one another. That we don't need each other. I'm telling you, it'll all be better when we learn to come together. One race, one mind, one goal. We win. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. See you next week. See that